Hey, Tablet Show fans. Richard and I are going to be at the Dev Intersection Conference at the Marriott Grand Lakes in Orlando, Florida, April 13th through 16th. Come see your favorite speakers, Scott Guthrie, Scott Hanselman, John Papa, Billy Hollis, Brian Noyes, Dan Wallin, Todd Anglin, Tim Huckabee, Michelle Bustamante, Miguel Castro, Duval Lowy, Kathleen Dollard, and many more. Go to devintersection.com to register now. You'll save 200 bucks if you register on or before February 24th, $100 if you register between February 25th and March 31st, and you can save an additional 50 bucks by specifying .NET Rocks is how you heard about the conference. More details at devintersection.com. We'll see you in April. The Tablet Show, Episode 126, with guest Jacob Rossi. Recorded live Thursday, February 27th, 2014. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Jacob Rossi about his experiences helping to develop HTML standards like pointer events. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to The Tablet Show. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell coming at you. Watch out. It's good to be back in the studio, isn't it? Yep. Watch out for them potholes. Nice. But if our president has his way, Richard, them potholes is going to be filled very soon. Yeah, you know, we could almost do a geek out about this whole infrastructure discussion. But that's over on another show. That's another show. That follows the macroeconomics discussion. Oh, yeah. I really want to get into that. That'll generate some hate. The two are tied, uh, <laughs> you know, joined at the hip, as it were. Hey, let's not uh, uh, alienate anybody. Let's uh, roll the music of love, the better know framework music. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? What I got. Uh-oh. More hippa than what you got. I love that song. All right. Here's what I got. Portable class libraries. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. We've talked about them a lot. They uh, have made it possible, of course, at Microsoft, because of Xamarin coming to the table with Android and iOS support in C Sharp, they put support for iOS and Android in portable class libraries. That's what makes it all possible. So when you do a portable class library project, you can choose, you know, Silverlight, Windows app, Windows phone, all of the things that you're used to, mm-hmm. WPF or iOS or Android because of, because of Xamarin. If you have that stuff installed, you can take advantage of it. But that's not really why what I'm talking about here. Uh, that's I'm just setting up how awesome portable class libraries are because right. they can go across platforms. When we did that show with Chris Hardy, where they're talking about how they changed the licensing model so that Xamarin could be included. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Xamarin has absolutely affected Microsoft in that way and for the better and made it possible uh, for us all to have that. Now, you might be thinking, well, okay, portable class libraries are great, but you know, how can I take advantage of stuff like MVVM with portable class libraries? Well, it turns out... You can do that, of course, and there's a number of ways to do that. But if you want a little guidance just to get started, go to tinyurl.com slash mvvm with PCL. 
This is um, just plain old MSDN topic here, using portable class library with model view view model. Nice. And uh, it was just a little hidden gem in the development guide in, uh, you know, at uh, MSDN. And uh, it's short. And while it doesn't cover all the bases, it really gets you started with MVVM and portable class libraries. That's great. And it's it, from MSDN, you know, talk about better know a framework. This is part of the framework. It's part of the framework. Love it. And it's just using, you know, it's just implementing the pattern with C Sharp. Great. There you go. Nice find. Yeah, easy. So, Richard, who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment off of show 123, and that is the one we did with Sean Wildermuth. We were talking about native versus hybrid as part of the road trip, if you may recall. Yep. It was Portland. And this comment comes from Patrick, who says, Great show as always. I'm always interested in your native versus hybrid shows, as I currently work at an ERP company whose software is close to 20 years old. Ow. I am part of the team that is pulling chunks of the base package to create mobile apps for iOS, Androids, Windows Store, and Windows Phone. Hmm. Which is something we've actually described on the show, right? This idea of decomposing a big application, taking off services one at a time and making them available across all those platforms. Yeah. So Patrick goes on to say, hey, when Sean talked about, quote, cringing at Android and iOS apps that don't do data binding on Xamarin, I similarly cringed because it sounds like he's not familiar with MVVM Cross, which might represent the best of both worlds for him. Love us some MVVM Cross. Absolutely. Native development on iOS and Android with data binding. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts on business apps built with MVVM Cross and Xamarin. Yeah. Well, Patrick, we're just going to have to do that show, but not today. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you so much for your comment. A Tablet Show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a Tablet Show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. We'd love to build you an app. Just go to diatomenterprises.com. And that brings us, dear listener, to our guest. Jacob Rossi is a program manager for Internet Explorer, working on advancing the web through standards and new user experiences. Jacob has been at Microsoft since 2010 and active in the web standards community for over five years. He's the author and co-editor of the Pointer Events and CSS SnapPoints Web Standards, also former editor of DOM Level 3 Events and UI Events, and contributor to numerous other HTML, CSS, and JavaScript-related standards. His recent work focuses on building an industry-leading touch experience for the browser. Welcome, Jacob. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. It's not very often that we have um, you know people from the Internet Explorer team on, and um, IE is really, dare I say, kicking ass lately. I love it. Well, thank you. So thank you. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I, I find myself going to IE more and more uh, just because of, um, believe it or not, performance issues. I find that it performs much better on in streaming video situations. Uh, it performs much better in JavaScript intensive uh, situations than, you know, and, and everybody tells me, you know, Chrome is the thing. But uh, And I have been using Chrome for a while, but I find myself going back to IE again and again just because of performance. So bravo to you guys. Yeah, I'm really proud of you know what our JavaScript team has done. They've got the fastest uh, SunSpider scores out there, and and the the video work that we've done and partnering with folks like Netflix has has made some of the stuff you're talking about come true. It's been cool. Fantastic. Yep. IE11 kicks ass and takes names. So can we talk about some of your standards work? I mean, this is uh, something near and dear to your heart, and standards, of course, affect everybody. Absolutely. 
What's uh, what's pointer events? So uh, pointer events, you know, I was walk back a little bit. Three years ago, uh, when we were looking at uh, our plans for IE10 and and for uh, and for Windows 8, you know, all up, um, you know, we knew we wanted to have this big focus on touch, and we had you know devices like Surface in the pipeline and. We looked at what was out there, and and we thought about where we thought devices would be in you know a few years' time. And one of the observations we made was today, touchscreen devices are primarily just you know a sheet of glass, and it's a touch-only device. It's a phone. It's a tablet. But we we realized there was going to be sort of this explosion of devices with all different types of input modalities. You know, whether it's something like Surface, where you can use it as a tablet and then connect up a trackpad, or Google's Chromebook Pixel, which mm. is the laptop with the touchscreen, or you know, all the hybrid uh, two-in-one devices that are out there these days, and and even you know, on up to bigger screens like you know Xbox and Connect, and. And we realized that the the APIs that were out there for JavaScript developers really didn't meet that diverse device ecosystem that we saw coming. And so we needed a better API. So we came up with this idea of just sort of abstracting all these different input modalities into a single concept that we called a pointer, which was you know this general term for whether it's a finger on the screen, your mouse cursor, your pen tip, or even your hand waving in the air in front of Connect. And we built this model that lets you share code across each of those input devices. Because in a lot of th- ways, you know, you're going to run some of the same code, whether I'm tapping on it or clicking on it. But also differentiate when you want to light up a particular device. So, you know, we we exposed a lot of raw data from input hardware. Like with pen devices, you can get the pressure sensitivity on the screen. You could get the tilt in in air. Mm. Um, you know, with with touch, we were actually giving you the the contact geometry, the size of your finger on the screen, the width and height, which is really powerful stuff um, to have exposure to that JavaScript never really had access to. And so we implemented an early version of this in IE10. We took it to standards, um, and and we've seen just tons and tons of positive uh, reaction. We're working with you know Google and Mozilla, both have uh, experimental implementations that are coming out. Opera's there, Nokia, jQuery. Um, it's 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 really been a fun experience, actually. The first time I'm I'm not sure if Richard had seen it before, but the first time I had really seen this up close and personal was uh, on the uh, on last year's UK and Ireland road trip, and uh, this was uh, I think it was in Ireland, wasn't it, Richard? Where Josh Holmes was doing the um, you, I can't believe that's in a browser talk, or I can't right, believe that's yeah. JavaScript. And he did the the touch stuff that looked like the the earliest um, uh, Surface Microsoft Surface stuff with photos, you know, just sort of spinning them around and stretching them and stuff. And I thought, I, I just can't believe that he's right. I can't believe that's being done with JavaScript. This is this was what you know was a ten thousand dollar table just what five years ago, you know, and now it's being done in a browser, which you could just flip a touch screen monitor on its side and and have the same experience. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned mentioned that that um, when we built one of the the demos that I think Josh used, uh, it's uh, browser surface. You can you can find it at ietestdrive.com, and we actually modeled it exactly after the real app that was on the original tabletop surface, down to the actual photos that are in there. Um, I mean, it's it's a 
a, a an exact recreation, but in standards. Yeah, the, everything that the only thing that was missing was a yeah 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 yeah. I mean, it was just like <laughs> you know, take that surface. Like <laughs> seriously, I like. Can you believe? I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That yeah, was great. And so the, this uh, this and my question to Josh was, you know, when is this? going to be everywhere and he said you just wait it's it's coming through the standards body it's it's going to be in everywhere soon so that's it's good to hear that that uh, everybody's uh on board yeah and actually you know you can use it today really everywhere there's uh google has their their polymer javascript library and uh we've been collaborating with them through our good folks at ms open technologies uh on on providing a pretty faithful JavaScript polyfill um, mm-hmm. that you can drop in and, and 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 enable pointer events in browsers that don't quite support them yet. Tell me about Microsoft Open Technologies. Yeah, so this is a new um, uh, group here at Microsoft. They're a, they're a wholly owned subsidiary, actually, and they're they're essentially are are experts at standards and open source uh, technologies. They work with teams like the ASP.NET team and some of their projects, and they've worked with us on a variety of different things from how we engage with you know standards groups like the W3C as well as how we engage with open source. So they they're uh, you know they've made lots of um, great connections with that community through things like with pointer events we've gone to different frameworks and worked with folks like dojo in uh, you know in exposing pointer events uh, support for their um, features and but they've actually even been doing more than that some things that you know maybe shocking to to hear for some folks but like with pointer events we've been helping the uh, the Blink open source project used by Chrome and the Gecko open source project used by Mozilla uh, for Firefox, and actually been writing and collaborating on open source code for implementations of pointer events there, and so it really helps us move the web forward, right? Um, and 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 participate in in these you know lively communities. Well, everybody wins when when you do that, and I think that's that's what you're saying here is that when when everybody sort of works together. Everyone can innovate at the same rate. Exactly. I thought you guys were supposed to be enemies. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's you'd be shocked just how well you know we we actually really do get along, and and uh, it's 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 fun how shockingly casual sometimes our interactions are. You know, I mean, it, web APIs have come about sometimes over a couple beers after a conference or you know or a meeting. You know, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I would argue that's probably the best time to push on new ideas mm-hmm. is in those informal environments. It is. It really is. And you can break down some of the barriers and just have a real fun, geek out technical conversation about where we want the web to go. Yeah. Well, I think it's also the really interesting thing. You, that's a relatively small group of people who really can. If you can get Mozilla, Google Chrome, and the IE team to agree on something... Dude, that's almost all the browsers right there. Well, now now it's just a matter of getting ECMA to come to your meetings and, you know, talk about uh, getting JavaScript to behave nicely with all of these things. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally excited about some of the ECMAScript se- uh, 6 and, and beyond stuff that we're, we're talking about there. We we did a little bit of it in IE 11 mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and you know, we're, we're pretty engaged there. It's pretty, pretty cool stuff. So does, is ECMA part of this uh, part of this group? Do they actually talk? 
Yeah, we're involved in a lot of different standards organizations. Most of our work comes through the W3C. That's the one that most folks are familiar with. But mm -hmm. there's ECMA for uh, ECMAScript, and there's you know IETF, and there's a bunch of other other groups that we work with. Um, but yeah, most of our standards work does go through the W3C. Right. Can we jump back a bit to to pointer events? Maybe dig into this a little more. Yeah. Because I, I I think one of the challenges here is sort of trying to create. If I'm a developer. Don't I just want a click event no matter what the device is? Yeah. So the click event is is actually really powerful um, in a lot of ways. You know, first of all, it's generally supported across lots of different input devices. Right. It provides you some of the best accessibility um, through, you know, accessibility tools are often firing click events for um, from other uh, interaction models like speech. And, you know, it's universally supported. Um, right. There's there's some problems um, that the you know the web's going through, particularly with touch. Um, the uh, you know, lots of touchscreen devices have enabled features like double tap to zoom, which are really nice user features, especially when you've got a a phone and you're you're holding it and you've got a coffee in your other hand and and you want to zoom in on something and fit it to the screen, so you just want to reach over with your thumb and double tap. It's a really nice feature. Problem is, uh, it actually introduces this uh, 300 or so millisecond delay um, in the click event uh, right. because we've got to sit there and wait and see if you're going to tap again. Um, and that's, you know, across the board, you experience that in, in all uh, touch browsers that support um, double tap. So, you know, there are libraries that have emerged like FastClick and things like this that that help to try to um, avoid that, but sometimes lose, you know, the winds of the click event like accessibility. And so one of the cool things with touch or uh, with uh, pointer events is that you can um, you can use CSS to actually disable touch behaviors like double tap to zoom and win back the the performance win. Yeah, so you get the same sort of performance you've always expected. And I just. There's always a, there's a group of people who are like, hey, I really want to understand which fingers people are using and get a little more sophisticated. That I think there's an awful lot of developers out there. Just make sure my stuff still works. Mm. Right, right. And 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 one of the cool things with you know pointer events is we we realize there's going to be this long transition. The web right. the web doesn't change overnight. Um, and so we we designed it to make it easy for you to go from mouse events, which everybody's you know using on the web today over to pointer events. They actually inherit from the same uh, event object. So you awesome. have all the properties from mouse, but more with all the new, you know, touch and pen and connect um, properties. Um, and and so the behavior is actually fairly similar and, and it, it feels familiar and it's easy to jump right in, but you get new things like multi-touch and 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 that kind of stuff. Um, right. And we we even the 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 standard actually even goes deeper than any other standard out there in terms of if I'm using a, uh, you know, a finger and I'm on a website that doesn't have pointer events, what's the right way to simulate a mouse in order to get the best level of compatibility with those sites? So we did a lot of work in making sure that the web just works for these input devices while also, you know, enabling the next generation of, um, you know, input experiences beyond just click, you know, I mean, tapping is, is a fast, effective interaction, but, you know, people, people really get this emotional connection with their device when they can, you know, you know, the reality is you're moving your fingers across a sheet of glass, but, you know, we want it to feel like you're moving the web page. I'm really thinking about 
gesture, like I really want Connect as part of my main development window, mm. your main screen here, just because I think there's a bunch of other opportunities there to, th- to think deeper about what you want to do there. Sure. Eye tracking too, to me, seems really interesting. I also like having all of these things under one event where you just have all these different properties to handle, you know, the, the different types of interactions that you have. So that's just something you just can't get in a click event. Yeah, and and we're seeing people do really cool things with some of uh, you know the extra properties. Uh, I saw a demo the other day of somebody that was using the tilt properties on a pen to try to infer handedness of the user. So you know the huh. way you're holding the pen, or am I using my right hand or my left hand? And maybe I have flyout UI that I want to make sure isn't occluded by your arm. So nice. I detect the way you're holding it and fly it out in the other direction. Hmm. This episode of The Tablet Show is brought to you by Telerik Icinium, which enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. And the best part is Icinium lets you do all of this from within Visual Studio, including comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI as well as jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and deployment capabilities. That makes Icinium a robust end-to-end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium, with its Visual Studio extension, is available on a subscription basis and part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. Start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com slash DNR. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M dot com slash DNR. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks and the Tablet Show. Now, you had done something with gestures in uh, in the web before, hadn't you? Like uh, MS Gesture or something? What was that all about? We did this around the same time as Pointer Events. It's a new API that's designed to give you uh, high-quality gesture detection in JavaScript um, through objects we, we call MS Gesture. So you can instantiate an MS Gesture object, and it's basically this um, you know math engine almost that consumes Pointer Events and outputs gestures um, and and it does it in a in a more generic and expressive way than what you might be familiar with gestures before so usually we think of named gestures like I'm going to tap something I'm going to hold on something I'm going to swipe something and it's a little bit more um, more broad than that it it does have the basics like tap and hold but it also has this generic concept of a manipulation and and it what it's basically doing is, providing you information like translation and scale and rotation and velocity and rotational velocity, Hmm. all these different properties as an interpretation of what you're doing uh, with your input in in a way that's actually consumable and fairly analogous to how you might use other APIs like CSS transforms. So it's actually really easy to go hook up an MS gesture object's rotation and scale to a CSS 2D transform on an image and boom, you've got the, the, the Surface Photos app where you're sliding and stretching and rotating photos around into a collage. Nice. And the cool thing is we've made it work just like pointer events across input devices. So we do things like, you know, you can use your scroll wheel and, and hold controls and shift and, and use, you know, different interactions to, to provide um, scale and rotate and things like that from, from, from a mouse as well as touch. On this, this surface in a browser is what uh, Josh Holmes was showing off in, in Ireland, right, yeah. Uh, Carl? Yeah, that's right. 
So um, this, uh, it's it, I can't help but draw a correlation to the gesture work that I've done with the Connect, which is essentially looking at uh, data that is generated as somebody performs a gesture and then sort of thinning that data out, simplifying it or reducing it to a couple of key points and then seeing when the person hits those points within a margin of error uh, in over a certain amount of time and uh, then claiming yes that person did that gesture or no they didn't or they you know they got so far they got to three out of four steps and then they missed the fourth one up oh, nope they didn't make it so uh, is that the kind of thing that you're talking about with MS gesture so um, we just introduced you know API support for Connect in IE and and the apps that run on on Xbox One, and we had a lot of tough problems to go solve there. Like for example, you talked about the you know you alluded to the inaccuracy of a, of a hand right. far away from the screen. So we did things like um, the attraction CSS property that lets you um, specify things on the page that your you know the kind of like gravity wells that your hand might you know jump to as a, as a UI element. And and we did a bunch of that stuff. We did basic uh, uh, pointer event exposure. We haven't yet gotten to um, how we want MS Gesture to work, um, but that's something we're totally thinking about. Is this sort of a pattern then that you you make your own API, basically explore the idea, and then take that design to the standards group and say, what do you guys think? Can we incorporate this in a larger uh, a way? You know, implementation is is some of the best thinking you can do. Sure. Uh, and experimentation, for sure, uh, really helps flesh out ideas, especially if you can do it with, you know, a partner. Like, I think about how we did all of our, our video support in IE11 with encrypted media and streaming and things and, and in captions. We partnered up with Netflix. And, like, so we were both working together on fairly new stuff and and you know we're building new APIs and and learning uh, from that and they're consuming it and providing feedback and and that totally helps us come to the standards organization and provide the the necessary feedback to have the confidence you know in the API and and as a result we get things out sooner um, it doesn't always work in exactly that order I mean sometimes you know we have an idea and we have a need and we go we go build it and we we share it with the world and and, and work on the standards together other times it starts with just a sheet of paper uh, you know or a, a you know a spec on the internet that we we work on that and get it to a level that we feel um, is ready for implementation so it it really does vary um, based on circumstances and the feature capabilities and that kind of thing. And I do like, you know, having code written and in use so that you can see it working is it's very hard to argue with. I just worry that that creates weight to not change much. That's right. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a complex problem. And, you know, we've been talking about things like vendor prefixes and experimental feature flags. And, um, you know, we've even done uh, at Microsoft, we've, uh, our friends at, you know, the OpenTech team have done things like um, prototype uh, extensions for the browser that, you know, add in new f- experimental functionality. Um, and th- these are all different ways to try to prevent the problem you're talking about, which is that, you know, if the, while the web is slow to change, it's, it's, it is quick to adoption as well in terms right. of, you know, building up a compatibility um, problem where even if your feedback's valid and there's a better way to do it, 
we can't change it or, or, you know, your critical functionality, things that people rely on day to day for, you know, pleasure and work are, right. are just going to fall apart. So it, it's a tough problem and we're always, you know, evolving our thinking and c- coming up with new ways to approach it. Um, and, and we've done a, we've done a fairly good job. Like we've, with pointer events, we, we provided a, a good update uh, based on the feedback and, and the changes to the standard that happened over the last year uh, in IE11. So we were able to change it, you know, and we did so uh, in a fairly compatible way. We had a lot of different things, like the original pointer events implementation used vendor prefixes, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the IE11 version did not. Um, we also, you know, IE has document mode emulation, which gives us sort of a, a last... Uh, resort way to to fix things when you know a site just needs the old behavior, um, and and that helps give them a you know sort of a crutch to to migrate to the new new behavior. So you know there's a lot of different tools that are at our um, leisure to to go solve these problems, um, but it's it's by no means solved, and it's a it's a dialogue that we continually have with the other browsers and and web developers. Well, and I think we clearly everybody's made mistakes along the way. I'm thinking back to the web sockets incident with Chrome. But I also see that, you know, if you keep something too hard to install or t- too hidden, nobody uses it. You really don't have any proof points either. That's right. That's right. It's a delicate balance. And is there, I guess the question is, is there one right way? Like, is there, have we really come up with a pattern now that works reliably? You know, again, it's different tools for, for different problems. Um, different types of APIs uh, have a better solution than others. You know, prefixes have worked in, in many ways um, and had other problems. I, I'm actually, um, I, you know, I, I think that what Chrome has established with the experimental feature flags is an interesting solution. It perhaps goes too far the other direction in the sense of folks don't discover it. Um, and, and so you don't get as much feedback and experimentation from from developers. And there seems to be a lot of frustration out there with prefixes too. Right. So so you know we're still I think we're all still exploring as a community uh, the best best way to to have rapid development, enable fun you know in, uh, experimentation with the new hotness stuff while also being able to to iterate and and, and evolve things going forward. And what happens in IE11 now that you've removed the prefixes from the library? What happens to to old code that still has prefixes? It uses the old version still. So um, we we did our best to to provide a level of compatibility with you know, the old events. We'll we'll do things like silently map you to the new events if you try to register for the old ones, and and that works pretty well. We kept you know most of the web working. There were a few isolated incidents where you know uh, some edge cases didn't quite work the same way, and right. we have you know. We have an entire team that specializes on, you know, what we call readiness, uh, where we go out and we just talk to these sites and we say, hey, this is coming. Uh, here's how it's going to work. And here's what we think you need to do to, to, to be in a good position to work well. And, and that's, that's been very effective. And then, like I said, we also have like our compatibility view list that lets us say, you know, pick a particular site and have it emulate an older version. And developers can also opt into that as a, you know, temporary means to, to migrate over. And there's always this question of when do I get to remove that old code? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it, I mean, how many different browser emulators are built into IE11 now? Do you still have the 5.5 emulator? So we have, um, we have a 5.5, we have 7, 8, 9, uh, 
10 and 11. But the reality is, is that only a couple of those are really used. And, you know, from 9, 10, and 11, the changes are almost all additive. There's only a few things like these, you know, um, you know, prefix removals and stuff that the sites might stumble upon. But we've got like, uh, I want to say upwards of 80% of the web runs in the latest edge mode. And that's what we do by default. And you really have to be a special case scenario to to be using one of these older modes. And, pri- and primarily these older modes are used by legacy, you know, enterprise applications and things like that. Right. Yeah, internal apps. Right. That's the ones that get stuck in those very browser-specific standards. So where does CSS snap points fit into the equation here? Is that sort of like a gesture or is that a, a, a CSS decoration what is that exactly yeah so um our our investment for touch in the platform kind of had two sides to it there was the i want to build a rich custom experience that i've got my own idea on the interaction models and how i want to handle input and for that you've got things like pointer events and ms gesture and then there's this you know basic panning and zooming that everybody just expects to work and we we spent years investing in, you know, what what I personally think is the best, uh, you know, implementation of panning and zooming in, on mobile browsers. Um, we we've got a hardware acceleration and, and multi-threadedness that really provides that awesome physical um, illusion of, you know, like I talked about before, of actually moving the web page as opposed to knowing that your fingers are sliding across glass. You know, we did a lot of research with. MSR about um, you know the the perception of lag in in, in in touch and normally when we think about performance we think about you know numbers like 200 or 500 milliseconds being noticeable or perceivable by the user but with touch because your finger is so close to the pixels it can be down in just a you know a few dozen milliseconds you can actually perceive and notice so we we spent a lot a lot a lot a lot of time making sure that we could you know when you when your finger slides that the page moves instantaneously even if your javascript's sitting there in a wild true loop or something um and, and so we we invested really, really heavily on that. And that's great for basic static documents where you're going to scroll down to the bottom or you're going to zoom in on something. But there's so many experiences that you see in apps and, and, and you know, more app-like sites that use panning and zooming concepts but are much more specialized. Uh, a common example is just like, I want to flip through some photos. I want to build a carousel experience that I can just swipe through. And we found people going to JavaScript and using events and running on the same thread that all, you know, that the DOM and the network and the you know, layout and the rendering and all this stuff is happening on mm. and, and, and not being able to achieve the same level of performance that we built for native panning and zooming. So we wanted to expose up customizations to native panning and zooming. And snap points is one of those. So the basic idea is just setting up, uh, you know, edges, if you will, in a region that can scroll or or zoom and setting up points that it gravitates to. So, for example, basic pagination. You can have, you know, a, a, a scroller that has a bunch of different pages of content or a bunch of different images in a photo gallery and you set up you know, borders at each of those that are snap points. Mm. And as you pan through, the browser will automatically, you know, snap it uh, up to one of those edges, uh, even if the user, you know, kind of lifts up in between. And you can you can customize it where it's like, does it always hard snap? Does it just fix it up if it's close? Um, and there's, you know, a bunch of different configurations there that are at your uh, at your leisure. 
And this is this is an IE only thing, or is this just CSS that works everywhere? So right now, uh, IE is the only implementation. We've you know brought it into the standards, and we've got you know good engagement from other browsers, Google and Mozilla, and folks, and and we're really uh, we're we're really working on that API to become uh, to 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 get interoperability. Nice, nice. Uh, what are some other things we can talk about? Maybe drag and drop. This is um, this seems like it, it's just works everywhere now. I mean, uh, YouTube uses drag and drop when you want to upload a video. Uh, is that is that standard everywhere now, or are there still problems with it? Yeah. So uh, yeah, one of the one feature of the massive HTML5 spec that we've worked on was was HTML5 drag and drop, and we we introduced that. And in, you know, we had we've had support for drag and drop um, for a long time, and actually mm-hmm. a lot of the HTML5 spec was based off of how um, you know IE worked, and it it added a bunch of additional features that were really valuable, and we 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 added those in in IE10. In in an IE11, you know, one of the things we did was take a look at what we could do for the web that hadn't yet optimized for things like pointer events or snap points and 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 making sure that touch is just just works you know on on all these sites and one of the features that we uh, made some improvements to was drag drop when we shipped the first implementation of a touch enabled drag and drop experience like a t- an actual touch first where oh. we we use um, you know gesture recognition to initiate it. You can press and hold on something and drag. Um, we use the same um, underlying technology that drives our high high performance panning to actually keep that thing under your finger as you slide it across the screen. Right. Um, and we do you know we do smart things like okay we know you're using touch so the the little drag and drop ghost that you're moving around while you're dragging something it should probably be positioned above your finger so you're not mm. occluding it you know right. think just things like that and and uh and i know the the chrome team has been uh working on this as well i think i saw a demo of this working on chrome os a while back and and so you know this is just one more way that we're working so that the web just works no matter what input device you find yourself using at the time you know an- another feature that we did in this kind of area was you know, there's lots of hover menus all over the web. Lots of stuff that, like, you mm. can point your mouse at. It opens up, and then you can click. You know, to 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 access something that doesn't really work with today's work touch devices. Yeah. So you know, we build in uh, hover hover simulation that also uses press and hold. So you can go onto these menus and just you know tap to click something or or hold to hover something, and it works works very well. Yeah. That and, uh, except when it doesn't. <laughs> and I'm talking <laughs> usually about um, you know phones and devices like that where you have uh people are all are implementing hover you know on hover menus and things and just not thinking about mobile you know that's a different thing i know but most people use their fingers when they're browsing a mobile device and when you have uh hover code in javascript it just doesn't work so we, we've actually made a lot of that work with touch through this uh, hover simulation. Um, there's, you know, there's some things that don't work. We we targeted primarily the menu s- scenario, um, mm-hmm. but you know, and you can press and hold, and you can you can hover something, and uh, and 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 under the hood, we're we're just making it look to the web page like you moved your mouse there. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but it it works it works pretty well, and it's a nice you know way to help transition the web. Um, and you know, hover touch devices are probably not that far uh, out there. You know, we've seen a few 
basic versions of that. Uh, you know, I think the Sam- one of the Samsung Galaxy phones had something like that. And and Pointer Events is designed to be forward looking for hover capable touch devices as well. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to, uh, you know, or hopeful to see that kind of hardware in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sort of speaks to how do I write my code as a web dev to take advantage of these things when they're there. Is this is this still all about modernizer to make this work reliably no matter what device is coming in? So modernizer does a good job of letting you feature detect things. You know, browser sniffing has is probably the number one source of uh, you know compatibility problems, and and it extends beyond just browser sniffing. It's also, in my mind, in my opinion, it, I think. We've baked in too many assumptions about things like what it means to be a mobile device or right. what it means to be, you know, a desktop and 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 not actually taking the same learnings that we had about why browser sniffing was bad and applying that to things like devices. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, the pointer of spec also exposes up things like how many fingers can your device support and a lot, you know, better, more feature specific, device specific ways to to, you know, pivot your logic. Um, and and avoid those problems. I just was looking at a site uh, the other day, and it had a, a regular expression for detecting what it thought was a mobile device that was over 2,000 characters long. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow, 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 wow. 2K to detect. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and not only, you know, is that slow and, and, and everything, it's, it's, it's also just... You're going to fall over when your assumptions are no longer true. Yeah. Right. Well, I think the other battle you get into when you talk about this input diversity is just because he's got touch doesn't mean he wants to use touch. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and, you know, it's obviously something that we have evolved over, you know, Windows 8 and Windows 8.1 with our own uh, UI, but also... You know, web developers are experimenting with different things. You know, Office has things like here's a touch button that to- toggles the you know touch mode versus mouse mode. You know, and, and and there's still a lot of exploration in finding what the you know cool ways are to th- that adapt for that. You know, I have my Surface here, and and I naturally reach out and tap things, but sometimes I. I'm I'm typing something, so I find the trackpad closer, you know. Right. Well, and if you've got a pro, you might have a pen in your hand, too. That's right. You know, and, and actually knowing the difference between those things from a programmatic perspective is challenging and, and important if you're going to really shape the experience well. Hey, we're just about out of time. Can we talk a little bit about the Minify editor? What have you done here? Oh, yeah. That's just a, uh, it's a fun side project for myself. You know, I, uh, as if I didn't get enough coding done at, you know, at my day job, I, uh, yeah, I've been working on um, this editor for about a year. It runs on uh, you know Windows eight and eight point one, and it really just came out of my own needs. I you know I at any given point in time may have five or six different tablets that I'm testing or using or, or you know whatever. And sometimes I find myself at my you know dev machine. Sometimes I find myself on a bus with a Surface, and and you know I found myself just needing lightweight code editing, you know, on the go. Mm. So I built um, Minify Editor, uh, which is you built using HTML, you know, and JavaScript, uh, and uses a, a number of different open source frameworks and stuff to just provide basic 
code editing. You have got syntax highlighting for like 40 different languages and you nice. know, support for all the basic things you expect to see, like a lot, you know, multiple files opened and you can, you know, dark and light themes. And do you want tabs versus spaces? And, you know, it's, it's, Fairly basic. It's got lots of key, keyboard shortcut supports that map to things like Notepad plus plus and stuff. And I, I've got, you know, it's a niche product. It's a few thousand users, and mm-hmm. I'm not out there to to make a ton of money off of it, you know. Uh, but it's, you know, I, I get good reviews, and I enjoy using it myself. Got that? Nothing better than a product you actually like, too, right? Yeah, actually, I think there's a few folks that have done some work on 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 IE using it too. <laughs> wow, and it's a dollar fifty. <laughs> yeah, I can buy three <laughs> copies of it for one latte. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that's something I may you know rethink going forward. It's you know, I I, I hate the trial model, and yeah, uh, I I think that there's a basic level of functionality that I should be able to provide for free, and maybe there's a few cool light up features um, that you can buy in the app. Um, you know, I'm working on some cool stuff like thinking about, hmm, wouldn't it be cool if I did GitHub integration or, you know, those kinds of things that might be neat upsells and and have the base app for free. Hey, you were also a panelist on the Browser Wars panel at a HTML5 dev conference. What was that all about? Yeah, so that was just this cool, you know, fireside chat, if you will, with, we had folks from, you know, each of the different browsers. You said folks. I folks, like, <laughs> I'm from Georgia. <laughs> I love that. I love that word, folks. <laughs> uh, you know, and and it it was really cool. It's it's the folks that I work with on a day to day basis, and and we had sort of a few questions to kick things off, but then it just opened up for the audience. And what a what do you want to see from browsers? What are you? Uh, what are the questions that you can have for for the folks that work on it? And um, and it's neat to see the different perspectives and 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 uh, have us just talk casually uh, about the web and and standards and and that kind of thing. You know, we did a cool uh, um, fantasize. Uh, uh, she works on a lot of uh, CSS work. She she did this sort of day in the life of a uh, W3C spec editor, and it, you know, she's showing how the thousands of mails that we get a day, and the you know, how do you change? How do what a, how do specs work? And what's the process for when yeah. we don't agree? And you know, all those kinds of things. It's a, it a neat like insider's look on how browsers and standards are made. Very cool. Well, hey, we can't thank you enough for uh, spending time with us here, Jacob. It's been great. Oh, my pleasure. All right, we'll see you next time on the Tablet Show. Oh, man.